Why did diets fail? We'll find out on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. This episode is brought to you by TrueFire. Do you want to learn guitar or improve your playing? Are you stuck in a rut and unable to take your playing to the next level? TrueFire has your solution. guitar players worldwide learn, practice, and play with TrueFire. Our learning tools and massive library of video lessons will ignite your technical skills, harmonic knowledge, rhythm playing, and soloing chops. Progress faster with private one-on-one instruction, group lessons, multi-track video jams, live streams, song lessons, student forums, TrueFire's Riff Magazine, premium jam tracks, and much, much more. Grab your guitar and ignite your musicality. Sign up free for an all-access trial today. Click the link in the description to find out more. Is everybody ready for the Mind Dog Magnificent Show? Start the And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always, Friday night, and I'm not gigging with the band. What's up with that? Well, Veterans Day weekend, uh, Veterans Day was yesterday. We would generally have a show at the Veterans Hall in uh, Lindenhurst, New York. Every year we've done it, but uh, we... There were some problems last year, and so we're not back this year. It was decided very late that we should uh, not be gigging tonight. So we took the night off. So uh, there's a benefit for everybody. You get a, a show of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Tonight we're going to talk about uh, weight loss and dieting and why dieting doesn't seem to work. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're familiar with me, friends of mine and certainly uh, fans of the band Van Halen from the old days, Remember Bobby Moon. And everybody in the world has a uh, doppelganger. I have many, many doppelgangers. People tonight are going to see my guest and say, oh, my God, Bobby Moon has come back (laughs) to life and is now a doctor. What happened with that? Uh, Amazing, (laughs) uh, just amazing appearance. uh, Lookalike, my guest has of Bobby Moon. I'm a good friend of mine, Bobby Moon. And uh, people who were fans of the uh, Van Halen. No, he was uh, the road crew manager for them for a long time and very popular among the fans of the band Van Halen. Uh, and he's missed, but uh, it's good to see somebody who <laughs> looks like him. Kind of reminds me of him and uh, puts me in the state of mind. Now, you know that um, diets can be uh, a, 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 you know, just a seesaw back and forth of skinny to fat and skinny to fat. Myself, never been really huge, uh, but I have gone from bulked up to, you know, pumped up to fat to soft. Right now, I think I'm probably about 98% body fat. (laughs) But I'm not obese in the sense of huge. I want to find out what that's all about. I've never... I've uh, been on a diet in my life, uh, and, you know, my diet is really, my wife says, you eat like a 12-year-old. I always have, uh, and it 
that hasn't changed in 60 years or 60 plus years. So I don't think it's ever going to change. But uh, we're going to get straight on this whole how do we get weight off, keep weight off and stay fit. And what, you know, what really good nutrition and, and proper eating really is all about. Dr. David Prologo is an author now and is a, a dual board, of, board certified interventional radiologist and obesity medicine specialist. Dr. Prologo has spent more than 20 years specifically analyzing the phenomenon of diet attrition. Why do diets always fail? I'm going to challenge him on that always word. I think probably almost always <laughs> but more importantly why when they do fail why do we blame the patients for their failure ladies and gentlemen please open your ears open your minds and help me welcome in dr david Prologo to the mind dog tv podcast dr david Prologo, welcome sir thank you so much for having me tonight i'm, I'm so excited this is great thank you it's my pleasure to have you because this is a a uh, problem that uh a lot of people very near and dear to me uh experience and um, I'm, I don't think it, it only uh, applies to people who, I don't know, I don't, I, you know, I'm going to start off unpolitically correct already, fat people, uh, what we oh. think of as fat people, because as I mentioned, I think I have a high percentage of body fat right now. I mean, I'm one of these people who goes from working out to being a solid body, to being a soft body, to a solid body, to a soft body. And I, I have a feeling that's probably even worse than being just a huge soft body your whole life. But mm -hmm. uh, to, uh, I'm going to start with challenging you on that. What, why do diets always fail? I'd say often fail. No, is, is it true that they always fail? Oh gosh, you know it's it's nothing is absolute, right? And and uh, in the book, actually, I, I make a little asterisk next to this sentence, and uh, at the bottom of the page, the asterisk says ninety nine percent, right? Everybody knows somebody who's done it and uh, and has been successful, but that's the one percent, right? That that's the outlier. That's not who who we're talking about. So we're we're talking about the other ninety nine percent, and. And the facts and the literature and the CDC reports and all the things that come out with the hundreds of millions of people who are failing those diets. Uh, no doubt uh, there's always an outlier somewhere uh, who who did it, right, and sort of goes against what I'm saying here. But that's a very small percentage of people. And I'm very glad. I, I feel like we scripted the opening of the show because I'm, I'm super glad that you took the time to say that uh, you've not been obese before. And you've had kind of a lifetime of, of feeling a certain way because that's going to be important, I think, during our discussion. That's going to be important. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm curious about that because I don't think I could get, you know, what we think of obese if I tried. And I think there are certain people like me who just, you know, have eaten eaten unhealthy, eaten poorly as far as nutrition goes their whole lives and don't blow up like that. And there are other people who can, you know, one piece of cake and all of a sudden they can't get through the door. Uh, it, tell me about that and, and, and it, you know, what that really means. Uh, so, so sorry to interrupt you. Sorry. No, what yeah. you're saying, I'm just, I'm excited to talk about exactly that because what you're saying uh, couldn't be more true, right? And uh, a lot of what we talk about and the impetus behind the book really is uh, the feelings that kind of originate from the people who've never been there, right? Uh, you, you're a superhuman being and a very uh, a very nice guy, but not everybody is. And there's a there's a population of people who've never been there, right? And and they sort of have described a life like you have had. And uh, but for some reason, uh, even though 
not having been in that situation, not having to make that change, not understanding what it's like to try and make that change, uh, people still make assumptions, right? They make assumptions and they make these these terrible assumptions. They they say things like, uh, you know, when I'll post something that says making a change from overweight and, and obese to lean is difficult, if not impossible, on your own, I get a barrage of comments from the always lean people who say, oh, you know, I, I run every day or I get up and I do my exercises or they just need to, you know, not eat cheeseburgers and just, I mean, one after another uh, negative, terrible comment. And the, the, the point that I want to make to everybody, and I'm so glad you opened this way, is that most of the people, again, most, right, ne never, never absolutes, most of the people who are saying these things haven't had to go through it. Right. And the truth of the matter is what we know from science now and, and what I certainly am, am trying to disseminate by coming on, on shows like this. The truth of the matter is if most of these people had to switch tomorrow into a, a 250 pound body at, at five, five and make that change back, they would never make it. Right. No. Despite their despite their uh, apparent wisdom about this and despite their condescension and and the terrible things that they say, if they were to swap into that body, it's not likely that they would make it. And in fact, it would be a very enlightening experience for that person because all of a the sudden they would feel a bunch of things that they didn't know about. Right. And it would be a day or two days or a week before they would say, whoa, 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 I'm sorry. I, I didn't know that this was what it was like trying to make a change. I just thought you felt like me when you when when I go out and run down the street. But obviously you don't. Obviously you're facing obstacles that I wasn't aware of, and I apologize. But since we can't swap bodies, I wrote this book instead. <laughs> well, I hope I hope it makes a difference. But uh, with that in mind, yeah, we we tend to think and. You know, it's a prejudice. There's no doubt about it. It's a prejudice. You see somebody who is very big and you, you, your mind goes to uh, lazy or, you know, just overeating and just that kind of stuff. And, and it's not always the case. I mean, it's not always the case. It, it might it, not even be often the case. Exactly. It's very rarely the case. And in fact, uh, you know, the definition of prejudice it's, it itself is, is this sort of opinion made uh, without reason and not based in experience, right? That's right. the definition. And Absolutely. so we are we are seeing prejudicial behavior. I've, I've, I've written an op-ed recently uh, called The Last Accepted Prejudice. And, that, and, and it's surprising to me that in this day and age, when we're thankfully uh, moving toward acceptance and inclusion and, and love, this particular segment of people continues to uh, be on the receiving end of uh, unfounded and prejudicial effects uh, sorry, attacks, and we're just standing by. Uh, right. So hopefully, hopefully the catching point will will make that point and and help move the needle in the right direction. Well, what about the uh, the other part of this? Um, it, it's kind of part of the fat shaming equation, where um, people who are big uh, think that if somebody like you is advocating for a healthier life and slimming down that that means it's not okay some people want to feel okay it's okay to be big uh, and uh what would you say to that because i think i don't i would say if somebody wants to be that way then they should be able to be that way but it is unhealthy is it not always it's always unhealthy i think we can use that absolute that being 
having a large, massive body with a lot of fat in it is always unhealthy, is it not? So, so it, it no doubt puts you at increased risk for a lot of things, right? Cancer, heart disease, diabetes, uh, that's for sure. But whether or not it's okay, I suppose, is a, is a wider uh, philosophical question. Uh, but what, what's inherent in that question that I'd rather address is that it's not a choice, right? And, and so even if we make that point and we say that uh, a person is at increased risk for these, these other what we call comorbidities or other diseases, it's not necessarily uh, a choice for them, right? Inherent in what you just said, not, not that you meant to do it, it's not your fault at all, it's out there, right? It's, it's ingrained in, in our society in the way we think and talk. But inherent in the way that was, that was laid out just now is that, hey, hey Dave, look, I mean, you know, it, it really is probably not a good idea. But what you're implying or we're implying then by saying it that way, and this is that unconscious bias, right, is that it's it's a poor choice on their part, right? But it's, it's not a choice, right? It's not. If I, if I can make a quick analogy, hope you don't mind. Uh, I work a lot, right? And so uh, I, I've got kids and a family. And a lot of times my dad will say, you know, Dave, you, you got you to gotta just cut back, right? And like something that he saw in a movie where the dad has this kind of come to Jesus moment and then all of a sudden stops working, right? It's not that easy. It's not that easy. You can't just flip the switch overnight and change everything, right? So even if I'm an overweight or obese person and I accept that I'm now, so that's even worse, right? So here I am stuck in this body. I try all these things that I see on TV and on social media and I still can't change my body. And now on top of that, I'm at, I'm going to die sooner. Right. Well, that really sucks, right? <laughs> yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Right, uh, and, and if, if if you're hearing all that, I'm so sorry. If you're hearing all that, uh, you can see how you start to spiral down, right? You'll start to you start to you start to become desperate. You start to become depressed. You'll start to internalize this, which you should not do. And that is the momentum that I'd like to stop, and I'd like to to start to turn the other way. And that that is the reason for writing the book. So I'm so glad you opened with this topic. Gotcha. But, but you know, I have so many friends who are big who uh, believe that they, you know, there's nothing they can do. They've tried every diet. They've tried everything. And as you point out, it, almost always they never they never work. They, they have slimmed down. They've lost weight, but they never got to what they have in their mind is a target weight. And I don't even know how people come up there with that. They get close to that, but even as they get close to that, something stops them and um, either they give up. I don't know what it is, but it, it's, it's not something that they can sustain long-term and they end up going back to the body that they used to have. And then For they sure. develop a belief that, this is just who I am. This is who I'm going to be forever. And there's no, there is no alternative. So there is, is there a choice? Can they, can they? Um... Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Right. And, uh, and, and, and before I, I go into the choices and the options and the new ways, right, this is 2021, almost 2022 now. Right. right. So we certainly have new options, uh, things that have evolved from whatever, whatever diets uh, we used to, you know, high fat diet, this or, and, and so on, and all the fat diets. Sure, we've evolved from that. And I, I'll, I'd love to tell you about it. But before I say that, the reason those things happen, uh, that's part of the science, right? It's, it's not uh, something that we wonder about or we think is happening. This is now what physicians, obesity medicine researchers know for sure. What's happening when your friends lose this weight and then come back up is that the body is inherently wired to survive, right? 
And so when you cut the calories and you increase activity at the same time, even forget the second part. If you just cut your calories and you don't even put in exercise, right? The body perceives that as a, as a starvation event. And then the body does a few things, right? The first thing it does is slow down. It slows down your metabolism because it doesn't want to starve to death, right? The body thinks it's starving to death. And it begins to store away whatever you do eat because, again, they want to die of starvation. And then it, it incites food-seeking behavior. It starts to send signals to your brain. Hey, whatever you're doing right now, this podcast that you're doing or you're, you have a gig tonight, you better get something to eat instead. And it will continue to send those signals with increasing force, like, like you're underwater. Your body wants air, wants to survive, doesn't want to be underwater. So you're going to go under there and try to stay there as long as you can. You're going to really willpower it out. But after a while, those signals to survive overcome you. You burst to the surface, right? Same thing happens here. Body perceives all of this as a starvation event, increases your hunger hormones, sends you on food-seeking missions, decreases your calorie burn, starts to store fat. It literally just fights you every step of the way. So even if you win that fight, it's like pulling back a rubber band, right? And, and at some point, it's going to overcome you and you're going to snap back to where you were. So that is, is why that happens. Now, can you interrupt that? Sure. The best example we have of that, just for illustration purposes, not that this is the only way, but for illustration purposes, the best example we have are medical procedures that we do to get in the way of, of the body's signals, right? So procedure that, that we came up with, for example, was a procedure to, to block the signal from an empty stomach to the brain. There's a nerve that connects the brain and the, and the stomach. When the stomach is empty and then empty for 18 hours, right, or empty for two days, that nerve is firing like crazy and overcoming anything, sending you on a, on a food-seeking mission and making you feel hungry. Well, we went in and interrupted that signal so that people wouldn't feel hungry. And we stopped that cycle that, that you're talking about. We interrupted that cycle. We allowed people to very gradually and easily and without stress and raving, raging hunger lose their weight. So, so that's proof, right? That's proof right there that uh, it's the body rebelling. And if we interrupt those signals from the body, then we'll change the outcome to answer your question, right? That's my procedure. But uh, bariatric surgeons had some idea a while back, you know, what if we cut out a portion of the stomach? Right. In the beginning, they thought they were shrinking the stomach. And that was going to be, that was the thinking, but it didn't turn out to be the mechanism behind success. That's not why it works. It works because there are little cells in that part of the stomach that always kick out this hunger hormone called ghrelin. And when that hunger hormone is circulating, you feel hungry, right? So if you don't eat right now, I say, hey, Matt, don't eat now. And then the hours start to go by, your ghrelin levels will go up because the stomach kicks it out, says, hey, I've been empty for a long time, you start to feel hungry, and then you're eating. Now, when you have a bariatric surgery, they cut out that portion of the stomach, and that ghrelin doesn't circulate in the same levels. You don't feel as hungry. And what happens to 98% or some very high percent of the patients that have bariatric surgery? They succeed, and they lose weight. But, but these are not, Matt, these are not willpower implantation surgeries, right? They're, they're, not, right, right? they're not taking a weak, terrible person with no willpower and implanting willpower. No, they're, they're stopping the backlash from the body. So to try and stick uh, to your question, that's, that's the one way, right? Medical procedures are one way. 
Uh, and then the other way is, is outlined actually in the second half of the book, the second half of the, of the catching point. And that is that you ha one has to realize that you're not ready right now to, to do this, to take this on. You're not ready to lose this weight uh, from day one because you just don't have the tools, right? Somebody who's, who's I always use this 255.5 because it just calculates out to the right, uh, to the right number, the BMI number for obesity or overweight. At that point, you're just not ready. And so I liken this to, uh, I have uh, one other analogy. I hope I'm not going on too long. But no, you just, I, I, you no, just stop me if I, <laughs> I have, I have one other, I'm just sticking to the answer to this question. You know, is there a way out? So medical procedures are one. And, and the other one then is to get to the catching point, right? So, so what is that? What is the catching point? Well, if, if, if you wanted to be a cardiac surgeon, I, I've got a book probably in my office here uh, that will describe the steps of cardiac surgery, right? right? Now, if I just give it to you, and you just open it up and just start, right? You're not going to succeed. You you need you need a lot of prep work to get to the point where you can be a cardiac surgeon. Oh, believe but me, I know. <laughs> there, are, there are 100 million people who just pick up a book from from this model or that model or this exercise uh, fitness person, and then they just open up and say, "I'm going to start just on Monday, and I'm going to do great." You know that doesn't even make any sense. You're not ready for that. You. You have to get to a certain point before you can be successful. And so that's the second way out. Uh, if, you don't, if you're not interested in a medical procedure, the second way out is get yourself to that critical point, that catching point, after which you'll be successful. Right? That's, okay. that's the second way out. Okay. Uh, oh, <laughs> I'd love to tell you more. I just feel like I'm going on too long. No, no, no. You're not going on too long. But what what's on my mind now is even whether whether it's medical or uh, you you adopt this patient uh, approach that which is the second part of this. Mm -hmm. It comes a point where what you eat matters, does it not? So basically, uh, and this is where it's got to suck for some people because I can in the middle of the night get a craving for ice cream and i'm not gonna blow up over it uh but at some point you know these people even if you have the medical procedures if they get that craving for ice cream at, at in the middle of the night they are prone to because of the way their metabolism is or whatever uh blow up so they can't they can't so, so at some point willpower is going to come into it is it not well it's 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 i would say i, I would argue that it's not i would argue that it's not and here's why you can be changed into what you have, right? You right. can change your body into the type of metabolism that you have. And at that point, it's so much easier, right? So, so the things that you're talking about, you know, and, and this is all true. Again, this is all science. This isn't like somebody's opinion or my opinion. What you're talking about with, with a person eating, say, a banana or a piece of cake and reacting differently and storing it differently, people absorb greater percentages of calories from the same food, two different people, right? You read wow. about the microbiome in the gut and we know that person A and person B are not taking the same amount of calories from, from that same piece of food, right? So, so one of the things I say in the book is that uh, when we hear someone say, oh my gosh, I, I, could, I could eat just like Sally over there and I would gain 50 pounds, right? Historically, we'd be like, no, that's not true. You must be eating Doritos at night or something like that. But it is true. It is true because the absorptions are different. But that can all be changed, right? So, so those things that block you from making a change, that differential absorption, for example, 
different levels of hunger hormones, for example, that can all be changed so that when you start a diet, when you embark on a diet, when you when you go to live healthily, it won't be such a struggle and such a fight because you can change all these internal things. So no, it doesn't necessarily have to be a matter of will at all. Right. Well, talk to me about people like me, though, because I'm not living healthily. I, and and the, the fact that I can have ice cream in the middle of the night and not be a, a 400-pound guy next week it does not mean I'm healthy. I still shouldn't be eating like that. But uh, for my life and, and this whole idea of healthy eating has never mm-hmm. uh, never worked its way into my habits my conditioning my uh my my lifestyle at all even though i know the difference so at some point i'm going you know in in order to be healthy uh we we don't just have to concentrate on losing weight we have to concentrate on proper nutrition and all that stuff does any of that play into what you write in the book and and the strategies in the book so so food is medicine without a doubt right and and what you take in uh, moderates your risk for disease down the road, without a doubt. The book itself, though, is is less about that and more about is sort of divided into a couple parts. The first part is this is this narrative, uh, this commentary on on kind of the nature of things and how we treat people and some of the stuff that we talked about, right? right. And then the second part is about uh, how exactly you can you can make that change. Can these ninety five percent of people that fail diets? How can we change? How can we give them a different start? How can we give them a different way? How can we make it easier for them so that healthy eating is not so miserable, right? So at that point, I suppose you can take those principles because for you, I guess, uh, healthy eating might be less pleasant, right? It's not as enjoyable. People enjoy food, right? And so I suppose using those principles- Or not convenient. I'll just add that because sometimes, sometimes uh, here's, here's what I do, and I, and I don't mean to interrupt you, and I'll let you continue really quickly, but sometimes I work so much I, until I don't even think about food to the point where I'm starving, and then I just want to eat whatever I can eat as quickly as I can and get back to work. Uh, right, no, I'm right. sorry and, 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 and believe me, uh, I hear you there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm in Atlanta, so it's 8 o'clock, and, and I had to find something to eat between, between the end of my day and this. Yeah. So I definitely understand that. And, and making healthy choices for purposes of staying healthy uh, is important, without a doubt. And it's a valid point that you make. Uh, but it's a different topic than than my life's passion, right? And and what I set out to do with with these procedures and this research and uh, and so on. Okay, I want to talk about the cost and not I'm not the dollar cost. This is not where I'm getting to yet. Anyway, mm-hmm. the cost mm-hmm. of medical procedures. Um, how do I do this without exposing my friend's private situation? Uh, I have a friend who has been heavy uh, and has had some medical procedure that I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I can tell that there gets to a point where uh, it's tough for me to to be coy about this, uh, where I see him in pain. Uh, And it's not always in pain, but there are moments where uh, it catches up with him and it's physical and you can see it. It it manifests itself in a wait, I need a moment type of thing. That's as far as I can go without really embarrassing him or making his situation public. So what about that with, with medical procedures? And again, I'm not sure what his is, but the mm-hmm. physical cost, the pain, the, uh, any of that kind of stuff that people will have to go through, the sacrifices that are associated with the 
medical. So, so on the medical side of it, I, I'll say a few things about it. The, the primary value in the medical procedures, in my mind, is to validate the point that uh, these are diseases of the body, right? That they should be bucketed with diabetes and heart disease and rashes and cancer, whatever else we treat as a disease of the body, right? And, and the medical procedures sort of validate that and prove that. And I think that's their biggest value. Uh, now, to answer your specific question about uh, is it is it easy peasy, right? Is it an easy way out? We didn't say it was an easy way out. We said uh, it's it's potentially a way to change the outcome, right? If we're, we're living in a world, the CDC uh, issued a report that uh, at least one in two people in the United States, so at least 100 million plus, uh, were on a diet at least once, right? So probably twice. Uh, so upwards of 200 million failures of diets, right? And so the, the medical procedures, I certainly don't want to characterize them as an easy way out, but they are a way to change that, that percentage, to change that outcome, that miserable failure rate, right? And so uh, the medical procedures themselves, they really vary, right? I, I started off by talking about our, our procedure, which is, which is just a needle uh, and, and put a Band-Aid over the site and the patient goes home, right? Right. And, and they, they vary from, from that all the way out to full-on open surgery. And so it, it depends where you fall in the spectrum and which of those medical procedures you need. Uh, but what is clear about that, and, and medicines too, for that matter, what is clear about these interventions and medications and the combination thereof is that they have changed the outcome percentages, right? And if I could just kind of piggyback on that, Matt, for one second... If you would, if you think about that, is there any other condition that you can think of where we would accept these these outcomes, right? So let's say I'm I'm a family doctor and you come to me with uh, ulcers, right? And you have an ulcer disease and it's painful and you might be, you have some some blood you're coughing up and stuff. And I say, well, I've got a treatment for you, but it fails 95% of the time. I mean, we would never, we would never stick with that, right? <laughs> I mean, right. would we ever stick with that? And 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 I'll even I'll even take it a step further. Let's say, let's say I so so that is what we do, right? We take this lifestyle and calorie restriction package that fails 95% of the time, and that's what we hand out as the gold standard, right? So that that in and of itself is ridiculous. But I'll take it a step further. Let's say I did have a medicine for you. And I knew that it worked, right? I knew that this medicine would take care of your ulcer for you. In fact, there, there are antibiotics that will take care of your ulcer. And I gave it to you and you took it, but you got nauseated. And you're just like, ah, you know, and you just felt so sick. You couldn't do the podcast. You know, you, you, you couldn't call up Prologo and, and talk to him. And so you come back and you say, listen, I know that I know this medicine will, will take care of my ulcer and kill the bacteria that's, taking, that's causing my ulcer. But, but listen, doc, I can't, I can't take it. Like I can't stay on this medicine, right? It's just, it makes me, it makes me nauseated. It makes me anxious. It makes me feel like crap. Right. So, so I hope you, you see where I'm going with this, right? Yeah, because yeah. that's what people do with the calorie restriction. They come back and they say, look, I'm not arguing with you that if I could maintain this calorie restriction, it would solve my problem, but I can't do it. Gotcha. So if you come back with the, with the ulcer medication, you know what I'm going to say? Oh my gosh, let's uh, let's either get you something to manage that nausea or let's get you a different medication, right? But if you come back with my calorie restriction package and say you can't tolerate it, I say, well, you must not really want it. Right. That's your fault. That's on you. And and that's the that's the that's the way it's been for years and years and years. And so 
uh, one of the things I, I've written that I put out there for the general public through this medium called The Conversation, you might know that, is this open apology from doctors to patients. So, so every patient who's ever been treated like that, uh, it's sort of an open apology. Look, I, it's not your fault that you can't tolerate this, that, this calorie restriction. We now know why you can't tolerate it. We can see what's going on with the body that's stopping you. And so all the times that we told you it's your fault, sorry. You know, I mean, that's just, I, I'm, not, that. I'm not sure I'm uh, uh, necessarily supportive of, of that idea just because I'm not a big fan of blaming culture, I think. And th that kind of mindset makes people distrust doctors and distrust science, but because uh, it's like they got, they've learned more. It's not like they intentionally did something uh, wrong or they were giving you probably the best medical advice they had at the time based on the knowledge they had at the time. And so mm -hmm. I'm not a big guy of, of, of blaming them or making them feel guilty for <laughs> doing what they thought was right at the time. And I think, <laughs> you know, may, maybe I'm being silly on that, but on the, this other kind of along the same lines as this blaming culture is the conspiratorial culture. Now I, I, I do my best not to fall into that, but I, I have to ask you about the diet industry. Right. It, to me, it has a conspiratorial, conspiratorial bent to keep people in this uh, rotating, um, you know, rock and roll. Uh, sure, sure. So am I being over conspiratorially or over uh, distrusting of a billion or multi-billion dollar industry having a financial interest of, of keeping people away from you and into the uh, diet pill section and the uh, diet fads and diet books and what, all that stuff that they spend money on. I'm so glad that I'm talking to you. You are really a great host. because <laughs> Thank you. I, I mean, you are, because that is such a such an insightful and, and, and people don't ask that question, right? And, and I'll tell you, uh, it, it's good that I'm where I am, right? I can't give up my location because I'll tell you, they're coming for me for sure because of that, right? And, wow. and I put that in 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 multiple multiple contexts, sometimes maybe take it too far. I, I, we mentioned how this is a prejudice that we see. Right. And so one of the components that kept prejudicial behavior against minorities alive for so long was this idea of who's going to work the plantations. Right. It was it was a financial incentive to keep this atrocity alive. Right. right. And that's exactly what you're saying here. It is, it is a, there is a financial motivation to keep this atrocity alive, to continue to, to lay the blame on these folks, to have them, okay, in the book, there's a, there's a, an analogy to talk about exactly this, right? And, and I say, let's imagine that uh, you, you buy a car for me and I give you the key, right? And, and you go and, and the key doesn't work to the car. So, so just like the dies, I sell you a diet book. It doesn't get you what you want. Uh, then you come back and, and I say to you, well, somehow I convince you that it's your fault. The key's not working. Right. <laughs> and, and, and then, and then you say, well, maybe it is my fault. Right. You know, I mean, I'm not really good with keys and, you know, but, you know, and so that's what happens. People start to internalize it and think it's their fault. And that creates this very desirable from the fitness industry standpoint, uh, very desirable arrangement because people so bad want to change the way they look and, and feel. And then now you've made them feel worse about it. So they want to change the way they look and feel even more. And the only option there is, 
is to go back to this billion dollar industry and buy something else. Right. right? It's 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 exactly true. And and the uh, it, a, a whole bunch of successes, 100 million successes uh, puts them out of business. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's a, another industry that might even be a trillion dollar industry, certainly at least a hundred billion dollar industry. And we're, I'm talking about uh, insurance industry, health insurance and all that stuff. And now I'm wondering, um, first of all, our insurance, does, does insurance cover like weight loss? stuff? It should in my mind, because as we kind of established that if you are carrying around lots and lots of yellow fat in your body you're probably mm -hmm. at greater risk for a lot of diseases so uh, insurance should uh be insurance companies should be proactive and and want to cover this for people because it will keep them healthy and not have to pay for cancer treatments or whatever uh are they supportive of this and is is a lot of the stuff you talk about covered the medical stuff of uh, part of uh some of it's covered some of it's not it's 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 an evolving sort of process and and the way the process works is kind of a, an amazing arrangement, but it's the way we, we have it right now in the United States. And that is that even though it's, it seems like common sense to us, right? Uh, why don't we pay for a, a $20,000 surgery or a $10,000 procedure right now so that down the road? And, and there's, by the way, there's paper after paper after paper that describe if you don't intervene, if you can't come up with something to create weight loss or interrupt weight gain, that uh, people will continue to gain weight, right? They just go like this. So so why not interrupt that and save yourself all of this money down the road? So uh, it's, it's like moving an elephant, though. So there are many uh, respectable, hardworking obesity medicine physicians and surgeons who are lobbying uh, CMS and the other parties that make these decisions for exactly that, right? Uh, a group of people that are looking to create a, a huge impact for the world and for the country by interrupting all these downstream costs. And, and by the way, man, it's not just downstream financial costs. These are these are people's mothers and, and brothers and sisters and family members who end up with heart disease and diabetes and amputations because of that and so on. So so there's a movement to do so, but it's a it's a complicated system and it's a long road. Gotcha. I want to bring up the book again. I, I made it too big, so I'm going to have to move over a little. Wait, wait. Oh. <laughs> Thank <laughs> I, you for I, putting that up there. Uh, I want to read the, the tagline on it because this is the part that, that I'm interested in right now, the 12-week weight loss uh, strategy based in, in reality. Oh. So uh, what, are we, what are we saying that's going to happen in 12 weeks? People will, will have the knowledge they need to start a weight loss program. That cert we're certainly not making a promise that you're going to get be skinny in 12 weeks. So are we? we oh my gosh no that's a, that would be the the biggest hypocrisy ever right right because well, here, I, here I, I am telling you that all of that doesn't work right i and just it, wanted to point that, that out is, i'm not <laughs> all, i'm glad you did too because i want to talk to you about this I've, i i've listened to your show and and i have a lot of respect for you and that's the honest truth and right. i want to reference one of the shows that you had uh, i wrote it up here so i wouldn't forget the name michael brent collins and uh it was a great show and at the beginning of the show before I say this, I'm very thankful to Post Hill Press for publishing my book before I say this. So uh, one of the things that you talked about was uh, what, was how authors are, are forced into a box and forced to fit this mold right. in order to get the book published. Right. right? So uh, in the beginning, the last I mean, I almost wanted to write a book that said, you know, 
if you if you buy any more of these 90 pounds and 90 day gimmicks, you know, you, you're going to fail. There's a line in the book that says, uh, if you don't believe what I'm saying, go out and buy all the diets you want. And, and when you fail them all, come back and read what, what I've written. Right. But I will tell you that you write that in a book and you want to publish it so that all the people on the planet understand what you're trying to say. There's a big expanse between getting it to the people, getting published and saying what you want. So you kind of have to meet in the middle. Right? right. And that's why you see that tagline on the front of that book. Because I, I kind of had a feeling marketing people came into uh, play in that. And but part of that idea is what gets people disappointed that, you know, or, or especially when you see 90 day, 90 pounds and 90 days. I'm getting texts now. And I don't know why I uh, what I signed up to, but I get text almost a daily now. You can lose forty pounds in four weeks, and like uh, so that's a promise. Now, if I lose thirty nine pounds in four weeks, I'm going to be completely disappointed in, in myself and just think I'm a failure. It's, and I, it th- that work. all that is all just uh, just trying to make money. That's not trying to help anybody. Right. Um, but anyway, so that's part of the reason why it says that on the front of the book because. Uh, in order for me to have a published book through a published house, I got to meet them in the middle, right? Because I've got right. a literary agent and a publishing house. You can't just write whatever you want, right? So right. I sort of had to meet them in the middle. But but still, I'm not about to to sacrifice um, what I want to say and my and my integrity. I'm sorry to keep referencing the book, but in the in the preface, I I go so far as to say, look, I've already got a good job. This was not a gimmick. This was not a gimmick to make money. In fact. The amount of work that goes into this compared to the return, it's like it's like like it's a crazy business decision. So it's not for that. And I say that even in the book, but still it does say 12 weeks. Right. So here is what you are going to do in 12 weeks. You are going to transform yourself from a person now who cannot succeed with a diet. And, and that's step one. I mean, it's almost like Alcoholics Anonymous or something, right? You have to you have to say, look, I am powerless against this, right? Amen. You, you might yeah. as well admit it because how many diets have you failed? You're and and so so you want to change yourself from a person who is going to be a hundred percent diet failure into somebody who's going to succeed. And the only way to do that is to quiet the signals, right? When you start a diet and it gets to be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and you feel like that rubber band has been pulled back and you've had it and this sucks and you can't even remember why you started, unless you can quiet that response, you'll always fail. So the catching point transformation is about quieting those responses, using the science that we know now, supplements like uh, Lunacin, for example, a certain amount of sleep, for example, recovery, which you might understand. It sounds like you were lifting at some point, right? So, so recovery, so that your body can adjust fluidity with your schedule. All of these things are implemented to quiet that response and allow you to carry on without feeling like you're holding your breath underwater. That's what I'll give you in 12 weeks. Then you can do whatever you want. You can take a very low calorie diet. You can go to CrossFit. You can do whatever you want at that point. But let me get you there. Let me get you past that critical point, which, which I've called the catching point. And and now again, not just some crazy thing I pulled out of the sky, right? The catching point is is can be quantified. There's a number you can put on there. It's an exercise capacity that when you hit that, after that, things aren't so miserable. And the people who fail these diets, Matt, they know it. They're driving in their car and they they stop at a crosswalk and all all these 
yoga pants girls walk <laughs> by on the crosswalk, right? Do they look like like you feel when you try a diet? Because you you started yoga last week and that you was horrible. You hated it, right? These people don't look like they they hate it. They right. don't hate it. They love it. They can't right. wait to go to yoga and have a kale shake, right? So if I can get the overweight and obese person to also enjoy it, to also crave and feel like they want to do it, it's not a miserable experience. That's where I'll get you. That'll flip you from here to there in 12 weeks, and that'll change your life. And um, we've done it. We've done it. We, we've taken the, the – it's called the vagotomy where we, where we did a needle procedure and quiet the hunger. We do it long enough so that people get past that catching point and then they're on their way, right? So if you talk to the to the very first person who had that done and you, you talk to her now four years later, she'll tell you exactly that. She'll say, there was no magic here. It just got me past this critical point where now I wake up and I want to go to CrossFit and I want to go to yoga. I'm one of them now. That's what she'll say. Yeah. Um, this is probably not your your forte, but it's, it's within the realm of this discussion. I think it's important. And you brought up the comparison to 12 step programs, you got to admit you're powerless. Now, part of the 12 step programs, they talk people, places, and things. And the people are, is a big part of that people in your life who um, can be a positive and, and reinforcing uh, force and the people who can be a negative force. Uh, does that matter in, in the strategy that you, uh, are giving people, do they have to make those kind of changes where, like in AA, they tell you stop, you got to cut off a lot of your old friends and all that stuff. Does that it matter does. in your strategy? Yeah, it does. It does. And and uh, again, I, I appreciate being here and I appreciate your questions. And it is it is a strategy that I put together and, and I'm the guy on the front of this book, but it's not necessarily my strategy, right? It's more of, of I'm revealing to people what the science is now in 2021, right? It's not something that I laid in my bed and came up with. And and, <laughs> and, and so I just want to be clear about that because, we, and I'm going to answer your question about, about the AA analogy, but uh, before I do that, you know, I want to give a few examples of what I think we've done here. You remember the Atkins diet, right? Yeah. Um, so the Atkins diet was, was this idea that it took more calories to digest protein than the other macronutrients like carbohydrates and fat, right? And so if you primarily ate protein, you would create a balance for yourself that ended up in weight loss. So I bring it up because the medical community and even the bodybuilding community, they knew about this. This wasn't something that people didn't know about, but Dr. Dr. Atkins, he took that principle called macronutrient thermogenesis, put it in a book, put it in the bookstores like Barnes and Noble, and all of a sudden everybody knows about it, right? Right. Same thing with the South Beach Dining Glycemic Index. That's all I've done here. I've just taken the science, put it together for you. And some of the science is exactly what you're saying. Some of the things that do correlate when subjected to rigorous study with success are accountability, right? The reverse of what you're saying. Instead of cutting people out of your life, having people in your life that make you accountable does indeed correlate with success. Also, the inverse of what you said, being part of a group who's on the same track, right, with the same goal has also been shown to correlate with success. So to some degree, the principles are the same and they do, they are supported in the literature. Uh, being around the right people and being held accountable by people does help you and influence your success. I'm not sure we've gone so far as 
to kick people out of your out of your life like we do in AA, but yeah. uh, but it's close. It's close. Right uh, now, but part of that is um, it, with, with AA anyway. There's well, I forget what the other part of that is, but there's a thing for like spouses and families to help people understand how to be supportive sure. because a lot of people don't aren't supportive is any of the you know there is there that for uh, i'm not going to use the word the f word uh for overweight thank people. you i appreciate that <laughs> yes yes there there is and there's and and i want to say to the to the listeners slash viewers that we're just meeting tonight you and i right so right. because some of these questions i feel like are scripted but they're not obviously because <laughs> you don't know what i'm going to say no. Um, but it's almost like you teed me up here because, in fact, in the book, there's a chapter about AA, right? And and I draw the parallels between what we're trying to do with the catching point and AA. And, and one of those things, uh, they have a saying in AA, which is keep coming back, right? Right. Uh, because it's a complicated problem and everybody's uh, everybody's. Uh, Lives are different and the nuances are different around their struggle to, to take this demon out of their lives. And so how do you how do you equalize all of that? And by the way, how do you have an, a, such amazing success? Right. Uh, and you do that with these simple sort of principles like that one, which is keep coming back. Right. And in the catching point, we talk about that principle. We talk about doing away with this age old routine where you start the diet on Monday, you get to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and, and you quit the diet, but you quit, right? I'm out. <laughs> it's and then and then you're gonna completely start over some other day. And and that's not the way AA works, and that's not the way successful weight loss will work. What you will do instead, if you follow the catching boy principles, is we allow for these changes in life and these stresses and the fact that on Wednesday or Thursday, you might not be focused entirely on your weight loss project because there are other things in your life, but don't start over, right? There is no starting over and there is no quitting. You just keep coming back. You come right back into the day where you left. And in that way, if we take the 90 days, right? If you did this for 90 days, you're going to get some number of positive things done. Maybe it's 30, maybe it's 35, but you know how many you're going to get done if you quit and start over, quit and start over, quit and start over. You never get past number three, right? right. So these are the kind of principles that are that are in the book and the kind of things that if you can change with your approach, you can snap yourself out of the billion dollar cycle, right? And you can change your outcome. Right. Yeah, a lot of people get hooked on these uh, what seems like an easy fix, and I think that's part of our problem too. No matter what you're trying to change in your life, there's always somebody who's going to try to sell you something that may that's easy. Like we're going to deliver these meals to you. All you have to do is eat these meals for you know. And so I don't even have to do anything. I don't have to cook. I don't have to do anything. They're just going to do, and I just have to eat that food, and that food is going to make me. Uh, lose weight and and they get hooked on the idea of just the ease and uh i don't have to do anything this is sounds too but it, it, i think as in most things and i think you'll agree with this if it sounds too good to be true it probably is too good to for be sure. true, right <laughs> for sure and and i think most people realize that but in up until you know very recently there's not another option there's right. just a whole list of things that are undoable and when you decide you're going to make a change, you have to go to that list because what other option do you have, right? Right. And and so we want to provide 
provide a new option and and provide again the the validation that our options before weren't working and and it wasn't our it wasn't your fault um and this might be out of uh your your comfort zone to talk about too but um a lot of people embrace it a lot of people who are heavy especially in show business own it and then make light of it so much that almost like they they trap themselves into um accepting that that's who they are going to be forever because it becomes a uh, a joke especially in the entertainment field they joke about it they kind of make light of it and uh, you know i'm just a fat guy type of, of stuff uh and then it it perpetuates uh, so it's that's not a healthy thing, is it? Uh, the the idea of embracing. I mean, I, I make ball jokes all the time, but <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think. I, um, first of all, I, I don't mind being bald. I think it's a convenience and a positive in my life. But I can make make fun about that. But it's not it's not affecting my health. It's not get, putting me at risk for anything. So it's it's a really not a good analogy there. But this mm-hmm. idea of people who. Um, who just you know make fun of themselves and 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 ridicule their not ridicule but own their overweightness to to a part of their identity and accept it and put it out there so that people will give it back to them and then it becomes just a a self perpetuating thing. Any any thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I I think that people again, you're right. This is definitely out. I have my opinions, right? So we're outside of what is science and expertise. Up until this point, I'm telling you about facts, right? right now we're sort of right. transitioning to what is my opinion, and and my opinion about the the world is that uh, we we ought to accept and embrace and and love everybody, right? Including the person on the stage who's making jokes about that, uh, or, or as long as they're not hurting or bothering somebody else, right? And 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 in this case, uh, I, I think that we we really should get out of people's way uh, and sort of let them be who they are. And if we just would do that as a, as a blanket statement, uh, we'd have a lot less conflict, a lot less trouble. We can get a lot more done, I think. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it seems to me that sometimes it, it can be a sad thing. You know, people can, even though they're joking about it out, out in the open and making fun of themselves and all that stuff, there's some pain underneath that. And, and it's, it's, it's sometimes it can feel tragic to see somebody paint themselves into that corner. Um, it's a very, very, um, tough thing to deal with. Now the book, as I mentioned, and this is not heavy people, this is everybody. Uh, I, uh, cause I said, I want to make clear the stereotype of people thinking overweight people are lazy or whatever. I think everybody is lazy to some degree and the book, uh, so the book requires reading and we're at a point in life where people are lazy. Is there an audio book format? <laughs> I, I, I have an audio book. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a place called record books or record books. And I'm actually going to record it next week. So right. there will be an audible option. And I definitely recognize that obstacle. I've come up against so many real world issues uh, right. trying to write this book and trying to get this message out there. And this is one of them. And right. so I'm happy to record it. I'll, I'll record it. And I hope people will listen. 
And you're going to record it yourself. You're, I'm going to record I, it myself. Good, good. I always, I like that. I try, I try to get authors to do that more often. They, a lot of people don't like their own voice, and I can relate to that, especially <laughs> when it comes to singing. Uh, but uh, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, so, um, first time author for you, or you've written other books before this and published other. I books. have not. This is uh, this is my first time uh, as an author. My my first project and. It's been a, a heck of a learning experience, that's for sure. I, I originally got the idea and I, I thought to myself, you know, I, I've got to get this out there for people. And, uh, you know, they're going to want to hear it. Look, look what happened with Atkins. Look what happened with the South Beach diet. And, and so I, I started to write it and I thought, you know, I'm a doctor. This will be no problem. I'll, I'll, they'll sign me and, and pick me up in a Bentley or something. And, oh, my gosh, it didn't go like that at all. So, you had to sort of pitch it and, you know, and, and I would go through this long discussion like we just went through about how human beings have been subjected to this, you know, repeated failures and we've got to do this and this and this and this. And, and, uh, and whoever was on the other side of that, a literary agent or, or the press or a publishing house, nine out of 10 times when I got done with that speech, they'd go... So, th so what is this now? This is a weight loss book. <laughs> so, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. So any person uh, who who's willing to 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 read it, it's it's well written. I think you're gonna like it. I think you're right. gonna like it. The book is called The Catching Point Transformation. There's a link in the description to it. The link has been uh, to where you can buy the book. The link is uh, scrolling across the bottom. It's kind of a, a, a convoluted thing. It's uh, SimonSchuster.com slash authors uh, slash J. David Prologo. Uh, I'm not sure if the MD is in the URL. No, it's not. But then there's a number string after that. So you'll notice it when it's in the description. Just go to the description. It's right there and clickable and easy for you. Uh, now, I this is the first time I put... I, experimenting with the book on my left instead of in the center and i made it a little too big so i gotta uh, <laughs> move over a little bit well i wish you great success with the book uh, how long has it been out uh, it comes out on january 11th oh so uh, it's not out yet oh it's not out yet it, it comes out on on january 11th and uh and and that link is long and so do you mind if i just uh mention my social media no it, please it, please it's, it's really easy to get to I'll put all the links. If you send them to me, I'll put all the links in the description and make it easy for people. But go ahead. I will do that. I'm I, I'm on Twitter as JD Prologo and Instagram and Facebook as JD Prologo. And there's drprologo.com. So uh, all of those things, I'd love to hear from you. I'm, I'm trying to connect with people. So uh, please. Uh, we'd love to have you on any of those mediums. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you here and, and get this information to people. I think it's important. A lot of people, you know, uh, are going to be discouraged. And, and it's a part of the and let me pull the book down because I'm, I'm hiding behind it now. Uh, part of, I think, the challenge that you're facing is, and this is, <laughs> I'm going to use a really dumb analogy here. But, like, if you've been in a relationship and burned so many times that one more thing is going is a difficult, you know, the next dating. I'm done with dating. I've been burned so many times. It's people who who've need this book the most have been burnt so many times that right. they're going to be reluctant to even give it a try. Right. So what can I, we say I, to them to say, trust me one more time, take the just trust me one more time. The, the, the first, the first chapter is, uh, is entitled mind over matter is bull bull S right. And, right. and, and that's the first <laughs> chapter. So I want everybody just read the first chapter. So, so you understand that I understand how you feel and what you're going through. And, and when you realize that that I'm connected to the way you feel and I believe what you've been telling us all along, uh, you'll you'll realize that this isn't the same old thing. 
Great stuff. Well, thank you. I wish you uh, great success, and believe me, uh, doors always open to come back at any time. And, and or if you just uh, if you, you're seeing a lot of great success and you just want to share that, uh, I would love to hear from you. Anyway, I thank you for coming. I wish you great success, and uh, thank you, bye sir. For now. Bye for now. Bye bye. Thank you, Dr. David uh, Prologo, folks. Uh, the book is called. Uh, let me pull it up one more time. So I get it. The Catching Point Transformation, twelve uh, week uh, weight loss strategy based in reality, and uh, that part, you know, was uh, put in there by the marketing people. <laughs> I had to bring that up. Anyway, uh, you know, um, going through a life uh, bald and ugly, uh, I guess is is, but um, I can't. I can't fix either, any of those things. The fact of the matter is if you uh, have tried lots of, of diet plans and failed before, there is still hope for you. And there, there you do have the option uh, to change your life in some ways, as we heard. And so, yeah, you're know, not stuck like me with an ugly face and a bald head that you can do nothing about. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this program. Uh, I'll be back with you Monday afternoon. Nothing for the weekend. Uh, so I hope you'll join me then. Till then, I'm Matt Napple for the Mind Dog TV podcast. Have a great night. Bye.
to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.